The following podcast probably contains bad language, adult themes, and massive spoilers. Basically, all the fun stuff. If that isn't for you, maybe give this a miss. You have been warned. Abandon all trope, all ye who enter. In a world where tropes run rampant, two men stand tall. Well, one not so tall. They are ready. They are steadfast. They are making it up as they go along. They are the Trope Stormers. No, 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 no. That, you get, you know, below the belt, that. Yeah. Uh, you definitely get points up for that. Yeah, we're talking boxing. We're talking movies. As always, you're back with the Trope Stormers. Yep. We are the titular Trope Stormers. That's us. Uh, we're here to talk to you. Just a couple of pair of tits. About tropes in the world of TV, film, and even video games sometimes. Of course, we're talking this week. Not Raging Bull. Not Raging Bull. The, the sort of uh, Diet Coke of that. Careful. I guess. Careful. Yeah, it's quite a serious, heavy film, though, isn't it, Jake Lamont? He was a wrong in that guy. Yeah, but, I mean, this still bagged three Oscars and got nine nominations. This isn't exactly, like, bantamweight. This is heavyweight shit. We're talking Rocky. We're talking Stallone. The 1976 classic, yes. Why are we here, Chris? We're fighting fit. We're ready to go. Mm-hmm. We've got our... I was going to say cagoule, but it's not the right word, is it? Cape? Poncho? Cape. Robe. Robe! We've got our boxing robes on. Not a dressing gown. I'm here with my... Who are you? What are you wearing? Union Jack shorts on. All right. You're here with the white boxing shorts with the brown trim. <laughs> <laughs> I, they, I'm pretty sure they're boxing shorts, right? Yeah. Okay. 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 Short notice, okay? Props department malfunctioned. <laughs> but why are we here? Why are we here? Why are we dressed like this? Why are we here? We are here, my good friend, to pass ill-informed judgment on the film Rocky using our patented and wholly unscientific scoring system. We will decide whether this Rocky is eutropian or dystropian. That is why we are here. So we've had one of each so far. We have the leaderboard uh, so far. JP Jurassic Park is way out in front with a 4-2 victory. No, that's not right. What was the score in that one? Let's not get bogged down into it. We've got a eutropian effort, we do, for Jurassic Park, and we have a dystropian effort for Point Break, which was an extra time bobbled in off pushing a sort of a decision. So what does all this mean? Why, what, we're talking these, this, this scoring system. How does it work? Well, uh, so we are going to discuss four tropes of our choosing, two apiece, 
and we will make a case for that trope, explain its background and its references to other source material, and then we'll uh, we'll bring it all back in and vote um, on our subjective views of it. And it's a it's a points decision, so best of four basically. Yeah, I think we had a we had a, a, a tiebreaker kind of situation. We had to we had to go to extra time last week. Yeah, because we actually at point break we actually enjoyed that film. I mean, I kind of I feel like we were hating on Keanu when I listened to that back. It made it sound like a Keanu hate foundation, and I'm anything but. I watched John Wick yesterday for the first time. I was moved. Well, shall we just briefly tell our dear listeners what tropes are? Yes. In yes. case for the un- uninformed who maybe missed our premiere two episodes. So, Urban Dictionary. What are these tropes of which we speak? Well, they define it as an often overused plot device. And not all tropes are bad. It's how they are utilised. So, if we are to use an example of a trope... Tell me a bit about dragons. Unleash the dragon. Uh, Non-Cisco related. Uh, as much as I'd love to burst out into that song, 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 song. That thong song. A dragon. We're talking... Not the big bad of the piece. Not Muhammad I'm fucking hard Ali. Not the, the top top villain. Not we're the main talking, event. Not the, not the boss boss. Yeah, we're talking the the lead henchman, mm. the guy who is is sent off to deal with the protagonist and often send send him to a the demi boss. The demi boss, yeah, the sub boss, the yeah. mid level boss. You, you, you any way you want to look at it. He's like a sub team leader in The Apprentice. Yeah, assistant to the regional manager. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's Goro to Shang Tsung in the Mortal Kombat franchise. Yeah, so yeah, I mean, the example we looked at recently was Vader. Vader. Vader and the Emperor. Yeah? Yes. He is, Vader is the Emperor's dragon. Yeah, he protects him. He is, does his bidding. Like his attack dog. His attack dog. Like he's in like a, an, an East End wide boy who's got like a monster uh, British bulldog. Basically, yeah, in black armour and respirators and, and so yeah, nasty laryngitis. That is that is what we're talking about. So a dragon is a, a classic example of a trope in action, and we've given you several, we've given you a smorgasbord of examples. Oh. There. We haven't actually introduced who we are. Who are you in your corner, in your fancy pants? I am Jim. I'm here with my co-host and seemingly opponent in the other corner, it would seem. It's a very antagonistic. Which one of us is the dragon? I'll fight you for it. I don't know. How many Cisco lyrics do you know? Probably more than you. Yeah, I think you're probably the dragon. Sick. But I'm, I mean... Shit, I'm, that, makes, that makes you the emperor. Yeah, I'm... I'm beta. Fuck. Mind you, I'm just sat in like a saggy little... Scroton man in a robe. Yeah, you are quite penisy, shriveled old man penis. So you know you got the cooler. It's true. I've got the sick branding. That's that was an interesting introduction. I'm Chris Jeeves, by the way. I am your dragon for the evening in the white shorts, I believe, soiled with brown. <laughs> as I was introduced. Yeah, you know, last minute memo. I'm the attack dog. Yeah, and I am your easy emperor, your grandmaster of trope. I am Jim Carlberg. Today we are combatants in the arena, the ring of trope. So we're about to go 15 rounds with Rocky. Yeah. Trope or dope or on the tropes, what will it be? How about some trivia waffle? Yeah, talk us through Rocky, Chris. Give you a little, give you a little uh, tasty introduction. So this film, 1976, uh, three Oscars won. Those included best film. Best Director for John G. Avildsen and Best Film Editing. And it also racked up six nominations. 
You got your best actor, best actress, best supporting actor, best screenplay, best sound, and best original score. I think we've done the original score justice already in this podcast. Uh, so yeah, that was that was that was off Spotify. That was a recording. Yeah, we just played that back. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like for like. Don't know why you said that. I don't know. Um, yes, so I'm going to hit you some factoids. Go for it. Sylvester Stallone, the lead man, had $106 in his bank and was trying to sell his dog to try and fund it. <laughs> I don't know how much he expected to get for the dog. Uh, the same dog is the dog that features in the film uh, called Buckus. Don't know if that's the actual dog's name or not. Um, but obviously things were tight and he thought he could, you know, bring the dog into, uh, into the fray. He owed him one, really. Like, trying to sell him. I know, right? You've got to give something back after all this. I'm trying to flog the dog and then just be like, do you, do you want to be in my movie? You know, put that behind us, you know. The whole, like, trying to sell you thing. Uh, yeah, it's pretty awkward. The two producers of the film, uh, Winkler and Chartoff, they purchased the film off Sylvester Stallone, or the rights to it, and originally this was envisioned by United Artists, the studio who were going to make it, as a $2 million budget flick. And they were looking at... That's peanuts these days. Yeah, but back then, man... Them, them, well, I don't know, that might not have been that much back then, but uh, they were lining up the likes of Robert Redford, Ryan O'Neill, I don't know who that is, uh, Burt Reynolds, I know who he is. The late great. Really? Yeah, Burt Reynolds, yeah, he's gone. He's gone? Yeah, not forgotten, of course. Smokey. And the bandit. Yeah. And James Kahn. They were all in the frame to play the Italian stallion Rocky Balboa. However, in selling the rights... Stallone insisted on playing the lead role himself. United Artists turned around and went, all right, well, we're halving your budget. So the whole thing uh, came in at $1.1 million, which was over budget by hundred grand. And uh, the producers, Winkler and Chartoff, both had to remortgage their homes to push it over the line. Wow. That's commitment. That is. There's so so much story behind this this mm. film. There's so much heart. Yeah, because I mean, like we said, we've got the names like uh, absolute titans of film. There, Robert Redford, uh, Burt Reynolds, Reynolds, James Caan. James Caan, huge. I mean, it could have been such a different movie in it terms of the way it would have looked and carried itself. Unrecognizable. Got a lot of uh, kudos at the, the, the start. You were talking about all the accolades that it was. It, yeah, yeah. It was for you it's know, great. And bear, it, bear in mind, this is like what would certainly now be a a very low budget film. And and I believe that when uh, Stallone actually wrote this, he submitted it something like thirty odd times. Uh, to different people. Yes, it got knocked back a lot. The inspiration for the film, uh, this is uh, art imitating life. So there was a journeyman boxer called Chuck Wepner who had a fight with Muhammad Ali in 1975 and Stallone saw the fight and Wepner knocked Ali down. Knocked him down in like the eighth round, unprecedented. The fight almost went the distance and Ali stepped up a notch and punched the crap out of this guy, but he wouldn't go down. And that apparently formed the basis, the inspiration for the Rocky film. And that, that in essence, is... So if we talk plot and we talk cast, mm-hmm. 
Um, what, what are we looking at here? It's basically imitating that, isn't it? It is, yes. Um, we've mentioned Sylvester Stallone. Uh, we also have Talia Shire, who was in the Godfather movies. Uh, you have Carl Webbers of Predator fame. Dylan, you <laughs> son of a bitch. He couldn't see me. <laughs> uh, and Burgess Meredith, who plays the grizzled Mickey, uh, who was the penguin in the original Adam West Batman TV series with the kapow, boom, um, etc. Yeah. 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 The whole Shakespeare's head going down the, the pole to going the Yeah, yeah. Yep. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, wow, what a you know that that is quite a cast, uh, and what a varied cast as well in terms of the stuff that they've done. Well, yeah. Apparently, um, Burgess Meredith, who played Mickey, uh, got the part because everyone else testing for it refused to audition with Stallone because he was a nobody, and they saw it as well. Why should I? I'm of such stature. This film is peanuts. It's it's, it's so weird because. Um, this clearly was a film that would have come out of pretty much nowhere. Totally left field. Uh, but it's, it's hard to look at the Rocky films now in isolation as well because they're of a, what's a trilogy of five? Quintology? Quintology. They'll do. Quintuplet? That, that sounds like a study of something. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, because you, you see it as the, I mean, no, you're not supposed to mention the fifth one, are you? It's like the, the black sheep. Of Rocky the V. Yeah, Rocky V. Um, With Tommy Gunn in the street fight. <laughs> no, this didn't happen. It all ended with the fall of communism. Yeah, that was all right. Okay. Yeah. When Rocky beat communism, that was okay. Uh, but, yeah, it's it's hard to look at this as an individual film now, given how big and how sort of crazy the other ones... Well, it's, it went. kicked off a franchise, didn't it? And it kind of became huge. Like, Rocky has been... Sent up, parodied, it's immortalised, but before this existed, I don't even know if there was any big sports films of that era. Well, I mean, Raging Bull was a similar time, that was a few years after, but uh, I think Rocky invented a lot of iconic moments, which got aped, or imitated, or, you know... Uh, and this is pre-Star Wars, isn't it, as a franchise? The year before Star Wars, yeah. So, you know, uh, as, as when you're talking franchises, obviously Star Wars is the, the huge one that everyone talks about. Yeah. But uh, in terms of the legacy of number of films that this kicked off... I think they're almost competing now. With the creeds thrown in, like, surely Rocky and Star Wars must be pretty... And Harry Potter, in terms of, like, number, volume of franchise. Yeah, it's probably the, the unsung hero mm. of that. And also Creed, surprisingly good film. I was impressed by that. Um, I've not seen it. Have you not? No. Ah, so Rocky Six, which was like the hypothetical, could Rocky fight against a modern day fighter? Yeah. I mean, it was enjoyable, but it was silly. Creed. So Creed Ron is Rocky Seven. Yes. And Creed Two. Rocky Eight. Okay. Creed. Crystal. Yeah. Creed, really good. A lot of heart. Um, works within the uh, lineage of the story. I recommend. I, I recommend. I mean, go and watch. Definitely. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Bit of homework there for. Yeah, yeah. When you get a moment, give it a watch. Yeah, I don't. You won't be disappointed. It's a lot of heart in that film. Yeah. Bit of homework for you there as well, uh, listener. What's your, are we giving our listeners a name? 
what the podcasts? Yeah, they're the podcasts at the minute, but that's that's quite general. That's quite generic. Uh, what? So they'd be like, what does Lady Gaga have? Like little monsters. She has think. little monsters. Trope. No tropers. No tropers. That's a bit negative. So it is. Maybe, maybe if, you know, we'll call you podcasts for now. I think podcasts. that's a good working, yeah. working title. Sorry, Adam Buxton. Uh, uh, yeah. Right, we'll have to, yeah. We'll have to clear that. Clear that with him first, and then we'll have to, might have to change it anyway. Uh, but, yeah, let us know. If you want to be called any particular name, as a homogenous mass. Trope and Glories. The Trope and Glories, there's one, there's a start for ten. Let us know. Well, it was the first time I listened to the Trope Stormers podcast, and I knew right there and then I had to listen to it some more. Y'all listening to Trope Stormers. We've got talking franchise, we've got talking Creed, but obviously we're talking about this film in isolation. Mm-hmm. And we've also got to talk about it in terms of the tropes. So you watched this a couple of nights ago. I did, back yeah. Back again. I watched it last night. Um, this is fresh. Like we say, it's quite an interesting film because of its, where it's come from. It feels quite a, a real low-key for, for a lot of the time because it's focused on, on Rocky's life and the, the surroundings of, in Philadelphia. I mean, it's almost like a, an advert for Philadelphia. Uh, really, sort of a lot of scenage, but... Other cream cheeses are available. <laughs> uh, but they didn't actually have the right to shoot a lot of this movie. A lot of it was done guerrilla-style, in the streets... No permits, done at funny hours so that they wouldn't get in trouble. The scene where he's running down the street and a guy chucks him an orange, totally improvised, that just happened. And when he's doing his little running through the streets bit, if you actually like pay attention to the crowd and the people in the street, they have no idea what's going on. Like They're not aware that a film, a movie's been... It's not like a set with like a, a dolly and lots of people, it's pretty much just Stallone, probably a guy with a sound boom and a camera running down the street. It's quite a clever style of filmmaking if it's deliberate, because I know uh, like Woody Allen used to do this quite a lot. He used to just tell people at what points to get at in a conversation, and then they have to fill in the gaps. So the conversation would feel very natural. It's not quite as complex as that, but the idea that you just, you know, you throw somebody into a situation, they've got a certain point to get to, and then they react to whatever. That's, that's like the Before Sunset trilogy by uh, Richard Linklater. That's very much a similar unscripted narratives set and shot, very much impromptu. As, as a film, it's got quite a visceral sort of natural feel to it, you know? It just feels like we're experiencing a very real period of life for this this guy. It's eponymous, it's called Rocky, the film, so he's the central character. Obviously, we've got to start talking about tropes yes. pretty soon. So, talk us through. Rocky, your first trope, and basically the, well, the way this sets off the entire of the film, really, doesn't it? So, for my first one, I'm going for your, your classic underdog story arc. So, Rocky is cast as the major underdog. I don't know what his odds are in this, but they're not good. Apollo Creed is a world champion, boxer of the world. He's coming up against a guy who's pretty much been painted as a bum. Rocky, a bum? You're a bum rock. <laughs> Not a bum, bum rock. That bum rock, yeah. Cream for that, but... 
<laughs> but it's, you know, uh, up to this point, uh, he's had his locker emptied out, his stuff put on Skid Row. He barely won his last fight on a points decision against Spider Rico. He's pretty washed up. He's working for a loan shark. He's, he's breaking thumbs for a loan shark. He's not even doing that well. His heart's not in it. He's pretty much just bullying and uh, wearing down a girl working in a pet shop who happens to be his best mate's sister. There's not a lot going on for Rocky. You know, his prospects are pretty bleak. Yeah. And then he gets thrown a bone by the heavyweight champion of the world to fight him for the heavyweight title. Who is the... uh, I doubt this might be his real name, Apollo Creed. That's quite... I mean, that's, that's his character... It's quite flamboyant. Mm. Matches his uh, on-screen persona. So yeah, I mean, yeah, he, he's a, he plays a great part, right? He's, he's clearly got draws inspiration from Muhammad Ali. The Ali, yeah, uh, definitely story. You get a lot of great visuals with that, with the US regalia and robes that he has. Yep, the Stars and Stripes top hat. Yep, um, I think he's dressed as George Washington at one point, throwing money into the crowd. Yep, yeah. So you know, you've got this. It, it kind of takes the flamboyance of Muhammad Ali and then dials it up to. I mean, it's almost like Eubank, Eubank levels of uh, flamboyance. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. But I'm going to take you right back now. This, as a trope, you could sort of take it all the way back to an Aesop's fable. So I'm talking about the tortoise and the hare. You're going classic on us. I'm going classic, man. I'm, I'm educating. I'm preaching. I'm on the pulpit. It's happening. So you could look at this as, you know, it's your underdog story. You have got the cocky hare who I think has a kip under a tree or something. And you've got the plodding tortoise who's like slow and steady wins the race. That's the kind of moral of it all. And that's kind of played out in this film through the main protagonists. Wow, okay. That's, yeah, that is taking it back. I can yeah. see the logic in that, though. Yeah. Uh, other famous examples I've got for you. The Karate Kid. Uh, cool Runnings. Was there ever a greater underdog story than a Jamaican bobsled team? No. Again, grounded in truth as well. Uh, yeah. Which is, which is great. In reality. Kung Fu Panda. Yeah, I, I'm, you have to, I have to double check with you if that's grounded in truth or not. But <laughs> yeah, fantastic underdog story. Yep. Jerry Maguire. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Dodgeball. No, not, not such a classic. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I do like, yeah, it's, it's, it's a good trope, isn't it? That, you know, it features in, in so many different things and seems to be the basis for, uh, in, indeed, the idea of, you know, going, taking it back to Aesop. Mm-hmm. It's been the basis for a lot of storytelling and, you know, moral tales for a long, long time. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, I don't know what the moral dodgeball is. Uh, d- dodge, dip, I can't remember what they all are. There you go, sage advice there, <laughs> <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. Uh, Lord of Rings. Ah, okay. That's quite an underdog story when you think of the power of Sauron Hobbit. versus some Shire folk and a random band of mercenaries. Yeah, it borders on sort of cliche almost at, at this point how often it's used yeah. but yeah certainly Rocky is your archetypal underdog well let me stop you there because I, I think I peak at my next underdog example now I'm, I'm having to cross over here uh, Leicester City Football Club wow for winning the Premier League okay that I think in sport is maybe the most pinnacle underdog achievement it, there's, there's talk of this becoming a film it, it should be Who's play Jamie Vardy? Having a party. (laughs) Who's got a really Who looks like they're gonna they've stolen your telly? Yeah, well you know, they could you could or sharpen sharpen knives on their face. (laughs) (laughs) Willem Dafoe? 
He got, he got a mention last week. He did. He's done if he's streamlined enough, though. No. So, yeah, um, it is your underdog story. However, where a lot of underdog stories can end on a very positive note, Rocky is, for me, it's grounded by the fact that he just wants to go the distance. He's not looking to even beat Apollo Creed. He just wants to do what no one else has done and go the distance. That, for him, is a victory. And the way that it's shot at the end and the way the fight pans out, you think, oh, he could have it here. Because he does knock him down. Uh, and it gets very, like, they're both basically slugging mm. and holding and, you know, holdoring. And uh, it, you don't know which way it's really going to go. And then when the bell goes, it's a points decision. But Rocky don't care. He's achieved what he set out to achieve, exceeded it, because he's fought with heart, but lost. But that's kind of immaterial in the sort of narrative of the story. It doesn't matter. The, the, the racks to riches and hero to zero, yes. zero to hero, sorry, element of it. Mm. But it's not, it's, not cliche, it's not your cliched. Yeah. He doesn't just become heavyweight title of the world and that's it. Film ends, franchise doesn't go any further. Yeah, so we'll have to take that into account. I mean, what I will say about Aesop, morals, underdogs, rags to riches, hero, zero to hero, all that, down with that. If we talk, let's talk boxing in this film, right? I mean, I, I know, I know that you are a twelve-time champion of the octagon. You know, Doctor Octagon. Yeah, black belt and origami. Human Swiss Army knife, they call me. Yeah, I know. You, I know. You know your stuff, right? You are a, a registered lethal weapon. I know stuff. I'm not that, you know, I'm too pretty to be a boxer, so... You have a face for radio. Thank you, thank you, I think. But it doesn't seem like the best of boxers. The idea is that he's supposed to be plucked out to be... Are we talking Rocky? Rocky, about, yeah, about the... He's a meat and potatoes boxer, though. So, yeah, but, like, his tactic seems to be to head fall over. Headbutt Apollo Creed's fists. (laughs) That seems to be the main tactic I picked up on. I mean, it's it's just about taking taking the blows, but he also he exacts. Uh, it's like a Homer Frederick Ta- Frederick Tatum. <laughs> that is a strong reference. But no, he uh, he he gets cri- um, towards the end of a fight. Uh, Creed's protecting his ribs, and Rocky's trying to like pummel in his ribs. Okay, so uh, I think you're, I think you're doing Rock a disservice there. I'm on terms with him where I can call him Rock, and he knocks him down with a sweet left uh, hook. So I think you're doing the man a disservice. I think there's a long period of getting punched in the face and not falling down. But I think he holds his own. Okay. To an extent. As much as uh, a rank outsider and former bum could do. I'll I'll, I'll bow to your your Queensbury knowledge on this one. You know, I, I compare it to stuff like... uh, We mentioned Raging Ball earlier and things like that, where the, the, the boxing is... Uh, super realistic more choreographed uh, I, I get the impression that as the Rocky films go on the extent to which he can just withstand punishment gets more outlandish really as it goes but are, in, are you in, kidding in, me? Rocky 3 he basically reinvents himself as Apollo Creed well, I mean, obviously, in the next the next movie, he then he then becomes the champ, doesn't he? And it's yeah. Like, so uh, they, they they get quite a departure from this film. But I don't know. I, I put this. I put a message out on uh, our Facebook page about which is the better. Yeah, I saw that Rocky movie. And I think you know, one or the people spoke one or two. 
and I think people stuck with uh, Rocky One just because, and it does, it does it's, it's great, it does have a grounded story, and the ending, as you've described it, is a, a satisfying one in the sense that it's not... It's the right ending. It's the right ending to have. And of course, there's a, there's a love story element to all this as well, isn't there? There's, there's Rocky's background and his life, because you say well, he's not the sharpest tool, like we've talked about before. He's not the brightest colour in the box. Talia Shire. Yeah, so apparently she wore a lot of her own garments because uh, she wanted to look dowdy. I'm not saying that she was a dowdy-dressed woman, but apparently she dowdied it up further because she thought, you know, she didn't want to come across being too attractive or uh, or whatever. She wanted to play the part of the very shy store clerk working in a pet shop. I found the whole rocky pursuit and courtship of Adrian somewhat uh, wrong. Uh, his pursuit was relentless. Like, he visited her twice a day in the shop, cracked terrible jokes. Uh, he was basically stalking her. Bought two turtles. Bought well, not two turtles and a fish, I believe. <laughs> um, yeah, he was like relentless. It's almost like there was no other women in Philadelphia, eligible women. Um, so he was basically hitting on his best mate's sister. Okay, and his best mate is... Pauly, 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 yeah, Pauly, the resident drunk. Yeah, he's a bit of a, he's kind of the jerk-ass type character, isn't he? Yeah, he's, he doesn't come off very well. I mean, at first he protests. So regarding Adrian in Rocky's initial courtship attempts... She's not normal. I'm tired of you being a loser. I don't see the attraction with my sister. Then when it all sort of swings back around, he changes his tune. And uh, he straight up asks Rocky, you balling her? You screwing my sister? Rocky's response to this is, we fill gaps together. I don't think that's meant to be a sexual thing, but... Uh, yeah. I mean, he's not a poet, is he? I mean, a lot of, a lot of Rocky's... Uh Speech is like, yo, hey, oh, a lot of that through it. So, yo, you, you can basically get pick any three sort of sequences together and just go, you can, Adrian, yo, oh, oh, Adrian. And you basically, you could have like a soundboard. <laughs> yo, Adrian. Why? Why? Fight the big fight. There you go. You know, you create your own rocky, uh, Soundboard. Soundboard, you yeah. Know, this is the 70s, that technology wouldn't have been around, so you imagine the... No, it would have been a real thing. Well, it's seduction as well in the apartment, when they sort of crumple into a heap on the floor in weird slow-motion passion. Yeah, it's not... It's not the sexiest of courtships, is it? No. You know, the way she's... I kind of feel like it was rel a relentless kind of chipping away. You know, like, her defences were down... I mean, even at the time, she protested many, many times that she needed to go home, call her brother, probably had never been in a man's flat alone. Like, you know, she was she was sending off smoke signals left, right and centre. Rocky was not interested. He had eyes on the prize. Well, you know, that is the, that is the mindset of the boxer, I guess. Uh, you know, whether that be... I was really worried you were just going to go, that was the 70s, like it was okay. <laughs> It's not okay, but you know, uh, you know, when you're, you're, you know, your main MO is to punch people in the face till they fall over. 
you know, nuance ain't going to be your thing, is it? True. Yes. The subtleties of uh, wooing a strumpet, <laughs> somewhat lost upon our dear rock. Yes. Uh, okay. Cool. So um, trope one. Got something about the underdog. His background is kind of like a not a hopeless character. He's got a heart of gold. He's a bit uh, down and out, isn't he? He's down on his luck. He's a bit of a bum. Just needs needs to be cut a break. Needs a break. Cut the guy some slack. And then he is cut a break by uh, Apollo Creed, who um, uh, Carl Weathers' character, who um, basically it plucks him out of a book of boxes purely by his name. Does this book exist? The Book of Boxers. The Book of Boxers. How irregularly is it updated? Is it like the Guinness Book of Records? Like you just get it every year and like pour over all of the different boxes. And is it just a list of names? They, a, is it like the yellow pages where you, like boxes take out adverts? I've got it in my mind as like a Panini Stickers album. Fan, what were shinies? Yeah. So, you know, Balboa shiny. Nice. What, do, what would you do for the team shot? Where you had to like multiple stickers. Would it be them and their trainers? Like a, a group pick with the trainers, maybe? Mickey? Yeah, 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 yeah. We'll come on to Mickey very soon. Uh, so, yeah, so um, Apollo Creed plucks him out of obscurity. And then, uh, of course, related to the next trope, we have the what you dubbed earlier the Mr. Miyagi. Yes, in our previous conversation. Yeah, so we mentioned the, mentioned the Karate Kid. We mentioned uh, so John G. John G. Abelson, Abelson yep, director. directed the Karate Kid. He did. He directed this and some of the other Rocky films. Yeah. So, you know, this, this, this crossover in a lot of the tropes and a lot of the, the story beats that happen with that. That's an underdog story, isn't it? It is, yeah. I kind of feel like John just kind of... Is the Karate Kid? Was he bullied a lot as a child? <laughs> I was going to say, is Rock is the Karate Kid Rocky for kids? Is this what he's done? He's taken Rocky and just made it for a younger audience in a different decade. I think he has. Uh, yeah, I guess so. You know, he's, he's from a similar background, isn't he, Daniel? Daniel's son. Yeah, Daniel Larusso. Which is now uh, there's a, a Cobra Kai series on YouTube. I notice. Really? Yeah. Wasn't it Jaden Smith in the remake? Yeah, it's terrible. Yeah, I, I'm not going to watch it. There's a scene where Jackie Chan just like full on beats up a park full of children. <laughs> <laughs> so that's that's probably worth that's watching. worth watching. But, you know, you know, if you're a stressed teacher or anything out there, that's always a, a good good cathartic watch. Um, but the Miss Miyagi presence, mm. and in this you have the much more snarky Mick. Yes. Yeah, as as Rocky's trainer, mentor, mentor. Yep. Kind of like the Yoda of the piece. Yeah. And he, less cuddly. Yeah, and also probably less... He, like, more on him. Less constructive <laughs> than Yoda. He's taken one too many shots to the head. Yeah, there's definitely yeah, there's definitely a punch-drunk sort of mode about yeah. old Mick. But Burgess Meredith, what, what an actor. Uh, well, he got best... He got nominated for Best Supporting Actor for his performance. Oh, no, sorry, that was Burt Young, my bad. Um, no, Burgess Meredith, I felt, played it really, really well. Very believable. Because it would be, it'd be easy. He's quite a strange-looking and sounding guy. It would be quite easy to play this. Um, well, he could have like, gone boosty on it, couldn't he? Yeah, God, you never go full boosty. <laughs> That's for sure. The Mr. Miyagi character, the mentor, he obviously uh, comes out with some fantastic quotes. You've got the, um, you're going to eat lightning and crap thunder. That is classic. Women weaken legs. 
Yeah. Not so great, that one. He's there as a, he serves quite well as a, a kind of grounding presence to, to Rocky's situation, I think. You know? He's a manager. Yeah. That's a fantastic impression. It's not, that's probably, maybe, maybe I found my thing. Doing uh, Mickey impressions. Yeah. I was a little bit, like, uh, saddened that I thought this film contained the chicken chasing and catching element in the training. It did not. Well, that's the problem. They all blend together. That's the thing. I got confused. They overlapped, if that is possible. Yeah, so this is a, this is a, a, a character archetype that's really important in so many different films. I mean, Star Wars, for instance, has several. You have... Um, not only Yoda, but you have Obi Wan, uh, Qui Gon G. Qui Gon G. Yeah, he's a bit he's a bit too cool for school for me. He just plays kind of plays a bit too cool, the mentor role. But then I guess you, we talked about Lord of the Rings earlier. You have um, Gandalf and bringing the hobbits out of their shells a little bit. So there's, you seem to have this this tends to be a more aged character. I mean, Yoda's about five hundred years old or something ridiculous. I don't think Burgess Meredith uh, quite was supposed to be that age. I mean, he looks pretty rough. He's pretty grizzled, I'm not going to lie. Yeah. But he, he's mainly responsible for whipping Rock into shape. He's mentoring him. And, and, and getting him to a, to a place where he can at least... Have a chance of not... Survive yeah. a round or two. He might not die in the ring. Yeah. This is Star at Lord at Rings, Game of Thrones, and sharp, immortal actor Sean Bean. And you're listening to Trope Stormers, you bastards. Yeah, and that leads us very nicely into... I'm, I'm rubbing my hands together with glee because I think I know what's coming. A fire of a trope. Oh, I'll be back. Um, we touched on this last time out. Um, I accused Point Break of doing a Diet Coke uh, homage to the montage. This is a, this is pretty much where it starts in a modern day scenario. We're talking about the montage people. It's the zero to hero. We ain't got long. Let's put on a pounding, possibly air metal soundtrack and let's go for it. And we're going to show incremental increases in ability until this person has gone from being street fighter bum to potentially knocking out champion of the world at boxing. What what is really great about the montage in this is the last that's one we talked about the other week was in Point Break was was quite token I feel there seems yeah. to have been a lot of care gone into the way this has been put together so you know you talked about the 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 meeting people in the streets of Philadelphia and and interacting with them the way it's cut together for like the individual exercises and things like that is just really slick and, and running up the stairs yeah. He, firstly, he runs up the stairs and he struggles, and then it shows you the sequence. And then at the end, kick, well, it finishes with him, like, jumping around for joy. And we haven't even talked about the five-egg smoothie. I mean, the five-egg smoothie, this, this film was a trope maker. Like, yeah. how are you going to kick off without your five raw eggs? Yeah. So at any point in any other film where you see eggs being devoured... Necked. <laughs> down a pint of egg... <laughs> then Rocky is is the original maker for this this yeah yeah in on film anyway. Could you neck five raw eggs without vomiting? You only get one shot, like Rocky. Do you think you could do it? I don't know if I could eat down one without like retching. 
I've done it before. Five eggs? Yeah, I mean, I've, I've eaten some pretty grim stuff, to be fair, in my time. You are northern. I do have a bag of crickets. They don't do those up north. Uh, that was, this was on holiday somewhere. But yeah, they that was weird. So it was like a... It was like... Were they alive? No, they were they were dead, but they were like... They taste like peanuts, so it was really nice. But then they'd have a leg. A crunchy crunch a leg. Yeah. And, I uh, see that. I ate dog once. A dog? Yeah. Where? <laughs> <laughs> I feel like this would be one of those things, but I just like maybe like breadcrumb as uh, episodes <laughs> go by. So that can be your uh, your introduction. Okay. I'm on the case, listener. Uh, that's for me. <laughs> <laughs> it was yeah, so the, 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 um, yeah, well, I guess if you just neck it, it's pretty like I, I just uh, having oysters. I had oysters before. Like, I quite like oysters. Just pretend I'll do that and just neck five eggs. Anything that you've just got to sort of like throw back. Like, I've not had oysters. I don't think I'd like them. Where's the fun in that? Like, you, you're not like, it's not spending any time in your mouth, on your palate. Like, why would you want to eat something which you're literally just, like, throwing to the back of your mouth and trying to, like, swallow it down as quick as possible? Well, what you're forgetting here is we're in the middle of a montage. We're not here to have fun. We're here to get things done. Showtime is passing whilst doing it. And that's why you're the lighthouse, my man. See? Right? So, you know, like we said, this, you know, Rocky, what matters here is Rocky, he is prepared to neck five eggs. He really is. Go. What I really like about that scene is that we actually just have to sit there and watch him crack five eggs. <laughs> it's very repetitive, but it almost like builds this kind of like, is he? Ca- okay, yeah, he's going to drink that. Great. But the montage, um, to place it in context, uh, Citizen Kane, a uh, film I watched today actually, has a, a bit of a montage go on in that, 1941. So Rocky might not have put it on the map originally. Just saying. Uh, some other good examples. We've mentioned the Karate Kid already. Yeah. That almost has, I think, a shot-for-shot shot remake of Rocky as a training montage. Uh, Whiplash. Uh, have you seen that? The Rocky film. with drums, yeah. Rocky with drums, yep, yeah, good. Um, Team America, Rocky with puppets. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Uh, Pretty Woman, Rocky's a woman. Rocky with prostitutes. Rocky with... <laughs> <laughs> And Scarface, Rocky with a huge mountain of Chang. That in itself contains, uh, well, it's called the Push It to the Limit sequence. Go YouTube this, watch it. I couldn't believe, I've seen Scarface and I think I had deleted this scene from my memory. It is phenomenal. That's that's a great film, but that is a weird scene because nearly everything plays out in real time as well. Yeah. Uh, unlike the, the the real tight Rocky montage, you know, so I think that's Rocky. Rocky really kind of nails it, and that's why it got pastiched in in Team America and, and things like that. Yeah, well, it was because parodied of, so much. Yeah, but yeah, go check out the Scarface one. It's it's got a tiger. Yeah. It's got oh my god, wedding. So search for Scarface. Push it to the limit sequence. Well, yeah, it ends with a tiger. I mean, it's obscene. I can't believe Brian De Palma put this into a film. And a hairdo, which can only be described as a cross between... I stuck my finger in an electrical socket. Brian May, electrical socket, and Bob Ross. That's not a pretty picture that you've just painted. So, yeah, just... just... And some suits that look like they were the inspiration for Liverpool's 1996 FA Cup final. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, you're fully prepped for that now. (laughs) 
So that's uh... <laughs> you're welcome, but you have been warned. <laughs> cool. So that's trope two. Where are we at? Trope three. Over to you, my man. The next one is the idea, and you've covered it a little bit already. Is the idea of the moral? We've mentioned we've mentioned Aesop already. And we mentioned the, the, the ending that we get to. Um, obviously, we get the uh, fight where he goes the distance, which is kind of the, the, the principal theme of the movie, is the idea that, can this guy do this? This guy who is basically a nobody, you know, breaks people's thumbs for a, a living. But for a few bob on the side. But obviously he doesn't want to do that because he's got a heart of gold. The idea of everyone being the real winner in the end, you know? Uh, Apollo Creed... He's been humbled um, as a as a as a fighter. You know, he's quite cocksure. I think, if anything, he has lost the most in this film. He has fallen from grace somewhat. Yeah, but he gets he gets put on his ass, doesn't he? He gets put on his ass. Gets made to fight fifteen rounds. He's never done that before. Adrian, as a character as well, has come out of a shell a little bit, albeit for a slightly bizarre. She's blossomed courtship, but you know, at the end, she's there at Rocky's side. Yep. You get that classic. Yo, Adrian! Yo, Adrian! Um, can I can I interject there? I uh, got a little trivia for you. Side nugget. That's not the original ending. That was a new ending that they drafted in. The original ending didn't test well with audiences. So the original ending was Rocky and Adrian walking up the tunnel, which was then used as the photo image and silhouette for the posters to advertise the film. Didn't test well, so they changed it to her running in the ring and them embracing. Carry on. Yeah, so, I mean, yeah, he's there with his face looking like... Pummeled to shit. A punch breakfast. Yeah, uh, I mean... It's a dog's dinner on a face. Yeah, punch lasagna, let's go with that. Punch lasagna, I'll take it. Um, everybody has... It's kind of been a combination of everybody being the winner in that scenario, even though, you know... It's been subverted, the idea that this guy was supposed to have just been absolutely pasted. Uh, and even though he hasn't actually won, he's gone the distance, he's put in the yards, he's done his montage, he's necked his five eggs. <laughs> <laughs> as, as we said earlier, it's kind of the right ending. Yeah. I know you said it didn't test well with the actual, the, the actual scene itself in the way that goes but in terms of the, the, the character the story arc where he gets where he comes from and where he gets to it, it's, it is just a, a, a great great story yeah isn't it well you couldn't have him winning that would have been like too a bit uh, too much you couldn't have him getting like destroyed that would have been disheartening they kind of like balanced he didn't win but he achieved all of his goals went the distance and was a hero, was like the pride of Philadelphia. So I suppose we, 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 we're kind of coming to a conclusion in the sense we've got, our, we've got our four tropes. Tropes are down. So, you know, we've got our underdog, rags to riches, mm -hmm. zero to hero story. Yep. We've got uh, the mentor, Mr. Miyagi. Yep. Uh, type. Yep, we've got yeah, even Rocky needs a montage. Yeah, the montage, and we've got the real winner ending, uh, in the sense that everybody learns something, everybody gets to the point that they need to be at, especially Rocky, especially Adrian, who has blossomed in her in her relationship. 
How are we going to score this? I don't know, because that last bit, the way you described it there sounded like one of the endings of Wayne's World. The one with the fishy ending, where it's like, didn't we all end up better people? <laughs> fishy! Um, that's what that was playing through my mind. Well, so. I suppose what, what, what is hard when you see a film like this is that because you've seen it parodied and pastiched and taken apart and deconstructed so many times... It's it's just become part of the cultural landscape, hasn't it? It's hard to look at this sometimes and not think that seems a bit cliched or that seems a bit twee or trite. I guess we've got to put our 1976 goggles on, haven't we? We've got got to see this in isolation and be objective. You've got to go full paleontologist on this. Wow. I'm just saying. Okay. You know, I'm I'm even going to like potentially like tether my uh, my boat on the trope of no hope and take my tin hat off and you know stow wilson and get ready for some thoughts <laughs> you know <laughs> give uh, shouting at the sky uh, the afternoon off so I, I i i mean i think this this movie it's it's almost a clean sweep really I was kind of feeling sort of like the same way uh you break the tropes down like it made the montage. Like, it is your go-to montage film. Like, every film that montage is, is paying homage to Rocky. So, for me, that is... That's bent one in... I mean, in fact, I'm going to stray away from what we all normally do with football terminology, and I'm going to try and use boxing terminology. So, for me, that's like an uppercut that's connected beautifully and taken the guy off his feet... He's getting up before the count of ten, but that's a wallop. On the tropes. Yeah, he's a trope uppercut wallop. Like, for a count of eight, maybe. But the guy gets back up. Or girl, you know. Okay. But we've got to be be objective. We've got to think about this. I mean, the... We said about the... I mean, I suppose the other thing is to think about the... The zero to hero thing is the important bit, isn't it? Of, Of this... The underdog story. Yeah. How convincing do you think that is as a as as an arc? You know, because it the sheer ridiculousness of pulling a guy's name out of a giant phone book purely because of his name. It does get glossed over a little bit in the film. It's just a fancy. There's no science to it. Even to the point where Apollo Creed's trainers, like one guy's like watching him punch meat. Can't believe we haven't talked about that on the telly. And he's saying, oh, I don't want you to fight no supper, um, or whatever it is he says. And Creed's just like, yeah, 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 whatever. You know, I'll beat him in three rounds or something. Like, that is glossed over quite a lot. But then, I don't know, is it, is it just playing to that kind of, everybody likes to root for an underdog, everyone loves, you know, to see flamboyant, cocky, overly assured, arrogant people get ta- taken down a peg. Do you think this is the sort of film that would have boxing purists up in arms? Oh, massively. I'm sure if uh, a purist was could take this apart, I have no basis for that. But, you know, I, I maintain my scepticism about uh, Rocky's approach to... Training? Fighting. You know, uh, he seems to... He's a slugger. Yeah. He's a big hitter. The guy's bone density must be... Look, at one point, know, Mickey has lost. to tie his legs together. <laughs> to sort his balance out <laughs> I mean you know I think you're nitpicking here okay I mean it is, it is a great it's a great it's a great story and uh, f- for me 
and a story based and rooted in real life, which always gives it extra kudos. Yeah, credence. Uh, like it. Yeah, Apollo credence. Very good. So, is this our first? Uh, it's been a lot for firsts. We've got our first. We've had our first utropian and our first dystropian. We've got a, a utropian clean sweep. Well, I mean, what other tropes have we got to discuss? We've the montage was a clear winner. The underdog story was good. Another interesting thing that you you spoke to me about earlier was about uh, franchise foreshadowing because we said this became huge. I don't think they really saw. I think this was made on such a budget in such a way. They never thought franchise. They never thought sequel. This was probably just going to be a one-off. A feather in uh, Stallone's cap to further his career, potentially. Because he only made $23,000 off this, which is insane. Because it's grossed almost a quarter of a billion dollars since being made. Wow. Wow. It, it, it's got it's such a story surrounding this film. Mm. It's, uh, it really is. So, there you have it. I mean, it's not even a, it's a points decision. It's a clean sweep. It's a, it's a TKO. Crumbs. Uh, to use the perfect analogy. Yeah, to bring it back round to Muhammad Ali's defeat of uh, Chuck Webner, which was a TKO with 19 seconds left in the fifth, 14th round. 15th round, sorry. It's almost uh, too beautiful to be true. Where do we go from here? Where do we go from here? Well, that's the thing, isn't it? It might not be up for us to decide. Dear listener, do you have any ideas for us? Yeah. Um, if you think there's anything important that we've uh, missed out or something you, you think about any of the Rocky films that you want to comment on, yeah. did they change for the, the better? For the worse. For the worse. Um, do you have a favourite? Is it not the first one? Yeah. It's, does, does, does two, three, four, five Creed. improve? Uh, Creed's one and two improve on the um, perfect formula that we've just talked about? Do let us know. Get in touch with us at tropestormers at gmail.com or mm. at tropestormers on Twitter. On the Instagram. On the Instagram as well. Yeah, we'd, tropestormers. we'd love to hear from you. We'll have a think about what we want to do next, but if you have any suggestions, please let us know. We're still work, working towards well, we're still Back working, to the Future. Still working up to Back to the Future, and the long-term goal, I think, is still the room. Hey, Danny. <laughs> I did not. <laughs> I think that's definitely our 50th podcast special there. I'd like to set Back to the Future maybe as 25, like halfway to the room, like if we want to sort of set goals for ourselves. Yeah. Maybe we should have some, one for five, like a, a mini bonus. Maybe one for ten. I don't know. Your thoughts. Uh, let us know what you think we should do and where we should go next. We'd love to hear from you. Okay. And uh, look out for our uh, next Mini pods talking about the uh, what was it a trope nugget or a, a trope nugget trope bolt trope bolt suggestions for that as well yeah if you've got a particular trope that you want us to talk about in any any great depth we're here for you this is what we do yeah we are here to storm down tropes down you know? tropes it's a full time job this <sighs> I wish it was well that just leaves me to say as we always say on trope stormers I ate dog once bye for now <laughs> you bastards. The following podcast probably contains bad language, adult themes, and massive spoilers. Basically, all the fun stuff. If that isn't for you, maybe give this a miss. You have been warned. Abandon all trope, all ye who enter.
In a world where tropes run rampant, two men stand tall. Well, one not so tall. They are ready. They are steadfast. They are making it up as they go along. They are the Trope Stormers. This week. No, 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 no. That you get, you know, below the belt. That. Yeah. Uh, you definitely get points up for that. Yeah. We're talking boxing. We're talking movies. As always, you're back with the Trope Stormers. Yep. We are the titular Trope Stormers. That's us. Uh, we're here to talk to you. Just a couple of pair of tits. About tropes in the world of TV, film, and even video games. Sometimes. Of course, we're talking this week. Not Raging Bull. Not Raging Bull. The the sort of uh, Diet Coke of that. Careful. I guess. Careful. Yeah, it's quite a serious, heavy film, though, isn't it, Jake Lamont? He was, a, he was a wrong in that guy. Yeah, but, I mean, they still bagged three Oscars and got nine nominations. This isn't exactly, like, bantamweight. This is heavyweight shit. We're talking Rocky. We're talking Stallone. The 1976 classic, yes. Why are we here, Chris? We're fighting mm-hmm. fit. We're ready to go. Mm-hmm. We've got our... I was going to say cagoule, but it's not the right word, is it? Cape? Poncho? Cape. Robe. Robe! We've got our boxing robes on. Not a dressing gown. I'm here with my... Who are you? What are you wearing? Union Jack shorts on. Right. You're here with the white boxing shorts with the brown trim. <laughs> <laughs> I, they, I'm pretty sure they're boxing shorts, right? Yeah, okay. Okay, okay short notice, okay? Props department malfunctioned. <laughs> but why are we here? Why are we here? Why are we dressed like this? Why are we here? We are here, my good friend, to pass ill-informed judgment on the film Rocky using our patented and wholly unscientific scoring system we will decide whether this rocky is eutropian or dystropian that is why we are here so we've had one of each so far we have the leaderboard uh so far jp jurassic park is way out in front with a 4-2 victory no that's not right what was the score in that one? Let's not get bogged down into it. We've got a eutropian effort, we do, for Jurassic Park, and we have a dystropian effort for Point Break, which was an extra time bobbled in off pushing a sort of a decision. So what does all this mean? Why, what, we're talking these, this, this scoring system. How does it work? Well, uh, so we are going to discuss four tropes of our choosing, two apiece, and we will make a case for that trope, explain its background and its references to other source material, and then we'll uh, we'll bring it all back in and vote um, on our subjective views of it. And it's a it's a points decision, so best of four basically. Yeah, I think we had a we had a, a, a 
tiebreaker kind of situation. We had to we had to go to extra time last week. Yeah, because we actually at Point Break we actually enjoyed that film. I mean, I kind of I feel like we were hating on Keanu when I listened to that back. It made it sound like a Keanu hate foundation, and I'm anything but. I watched John Wick yesterday for the first time. I was moved. Well, shall we just briefly tell our dear listeners what tropes are? Yes. In case for the uninformed who maybe missed our premiere two episodes. So, Urban Dictionary. What are these tropes of which we speak? Well, they define it as an often overused plot device. And not all tropes are bad. It's how they are utilised. So, if we are to use an example of a trope... Tell me a bit about dragons. Unleash the dragon. Uh, Non-Cisco related. Uh, as much as I'd love to burst out into that oh. song, 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 song. That thong song. A dragon. We're talking not the big bad of the piece. Not Muhammad, I'm fucking hard, Ali. Not the, the top, top villain. Not we're the talking, main event. Not the, not the boss boss. Yeah, we're talking the the lead henchman. The mm. guy who is, is sent off to deal with the protagonist and often send, send him to a... The demi-boss. The demi-boss, yeah, the sub-boss, the yeah. mid-level boss. You, 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 any way you want to look at it... He's like a sub-team leader in The Apprentice. Yeah, assistant to the regional manager. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's Goro to Shang Tsung in the Mortal Kombat franchise. Yeah, so the, I mean, the example we looked at recently was Vader. Vader. Vader and the Emperor. Yeah? Yes. He is, Vader is the Emperor's dragon, yeah, he protects him. He is does his bidding like his attack dog. His attack dog, like he's in like a, an an East End wide boy who's got like a monster uh, British bulldog. Basically, yeah, in black armor and respirators and, and so yeah, nasty laryngitis. That is that is what we're talking about. So a dragon is a, a classic example of a trope in action, and we've given you several. We've given you a smorgasbord of examples oh. there. We haven't actually introduced who we are. Who are you in your corner, in your fancy pants? I am Jim. I'm here with my co-host and seemingly opponent in the other corner, it would seem. It's a very antagonistic. Which one of us is the dragon? I'll fight you for it. I don't know. How many Cisco lyrics do you know? <sighs> probably more than you. Yeah, I think you're probably the dragon. Sick. But I'm, that, I mean, Shit, that, I'm makes, a... that makes you the emperor. Yeah. I'm, I'm beta. Fuck. Mind you, I'm just sat in... Like a saggy little scrotum man in a robe. Yeah, you are quite penisy, shriveled old man penis. So you know you got the cooler. It's true. I've got the sick branding. That's that was an interesting introduction. I'm Chris Jeeves, by the way. I am your dragon for the evening in the white shorts, I believe, soiled with brown. <laughs> as I was introduced. Yeah, you know, last minute memo. I'm the attack dog. Yeah, and I am your easy emperor, your grandmaster of trope. I am Jim Carlberg. Today we are combatants in the arena, the ring of trope. So we're about to go 15 rounds with Rocky. Yeah. Trope or dope or on the tropes, what will it be? How about some trivia waffle? Yeah, talk us through Rocky, Chris. Give you a little, give you a little uh, tasty introduction. So this film, 1976, uh, three Oscars won. Those included best film. Best Director for John G. Avildsen and Best Film Editing. And it also racked up six nominations. You got your Best Actor, Best Actress, Best Supporting Actor, Best Screenplay, Best Sound and Best Original Score. I think we've done the original score justice already in this podcast. Uh, so Yeah, that was, that, was a, that was off Spotify. 
That was a recording. Yeah, we just played that back. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. Like for like. Don't know why you said that. No, I don't know. Um, yes, so I'm going to hit you some factoids. Go for it. Sylvester Stallone, the lead man, had $106 in his bank and was trying to sell his dog to try and fund <laughs> I, don't, I don't know how much he expected to get for the dog. Uh, the same dog is the dog that features in the film, uh, called Buckus. Don't know if that's the actual dog's name or not. Um, but obviously things were tight and he thought he could, you know, bring the dog into, uh, into the fray. He owed him one, really. Like, trying to sell him. I know, right? You've got to give something back after all this. I'm trying to flog the dog and then just be like, do you, do you want to be in my movie? Do you, you know, put that behind us, you know? Without the whole, like, trying to sell you thing. Uh, yeah, it's pretty awkward. The two producers of the film, uh, Winkler and Chartoff, they purchased the film off Sylvester Stallone, or the rights to it, and originally this was envisioned by United Artists, the studio who were going to make it, as a $2 million budget flick. And they were looking at... That's peanuts these days. Yeah, but back then, man. Them, them, well, I don't know, that might not have been that much back then, but... Uh, they were lining up the likes of Robert Redford, Ryan O'Neill, I don't know who that is, uh, Burt Reynolds, I know who he is. The late great. Really? Yeah, Burt Reynolds, yeah, he's gone. He's gone? Yeah, not forgotten, of course. Smokey. And the bandit. Yeah. And James Kahn. They were all in the frame to play the Italian stallion Rocky Balboa. However, in selling the rights, Stallone insisted on playing the lead role himself. United Artists turned around and went, all right, well, we're halving your budget. So the whole thing uh, came in at $1.1 million, which was over budget by 100 grand, and uh, the producers, Winkler and Chartoff, both had to remortgage their homes to push it over the line. Wow. That's commitment. That is. Uh, there's so, so much story behind this, this mm. film. There's so it's much incredible. heart. Yeah, because, I mean, like we said, we've got the names like... Uh, <laughs> Absolute titans of film there. Robert Redford, uh, Burt Reynolds, Reynolds, James Kahn. James Kahn. Huge. I mean, it could have been such a different movie in it terms of the way it would have looked and carried itself. Unrecognisable. Got a lot of uh, kudos at the, at, the, at the start. You were talking about all the accolades that it was it, yeah, it yeah. Was for. It you did know, great. And bear, bear in mind, this is like what would certainly now be a, a very low budget film. And, and I believe that when uh, Stallone actually wrote this he submitted it something like 30 odd times uh, to different people yes it got knocked back a lot the inspiration for the film uh, this is uh, art imitating life so there was a journeyman boxer called Chuck Wepner who had a fight with Muhammad Ali in 1975 and Stallone saw the fight and Wepner knocked Ali down Knocked him down in like the eighth round. Unprecedented. The fight almost went the distance and Ali stepped up a notch and punched the crap out of this guy, but he wouldn't go down. And that apparently formed the basis, the inspiration for the Rocky film. And that, that in essence is... So if we, if we talk plot and we talk cast, mm -hmm. um, what, what are we looking at here? It's basically imitating that, isn't it? It is, yes. Um, we've mentioned Sylvester Stallone. Uh, we also have Talia Shire, who was in the Godfather movies. Uh, you have Carl Weathers, 
of Predator fame. Dylan, you <laughs> son of a bitch. He couldn't see me. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and Burgess Meredith, who plays the grizzled Mickey, uh, who was the penguin in the original Adam West Batman TV series with the kapow, boom, um, etc. Yeah, yeah. The, the whole Shakespeare's head going down the, the pole to going the back down, cave. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, wow, what a, you know, that, that is quite a cast. Uh, and what a varied cast as well in terms of the stuff that they'd done. Well, yeah, apparently um, Burgess Meredith, who played Mickey, uh, got the part because everyone else testing for it refused to audition with Stallone because he was a nobody. And they saw it as, well, why should I? I'm of such stature. This film is peanuts. It's, it's, it's so weird because um, this clearly was a film that would have come out of pretty much nowhere. Totally left field. Uh, but it's, it's hard to look at the Rocky films now in isolation as well because they're of a what's a trilogy of five quintology quintology they'll do quintuplet that, that sounds like a study or something <laughs> but yeah because you, you see it as the I mean no, you're not supposed to mention the fifth one are you it's like the the black sheep of Rocky the V yeah Rocky V um, with Tommy Gunn in the street fight <laughs> no this didn't happen it all ended with the fall of communism yeah that was alright okay yeah. when Rocky beat communism that was okay uh, but yeah, it's it's hard to look at this as an individual film now, given how big and how sort of crazy the other ones. Well, it went. kicked off a franchise, didn't it? And it kind of became huge. Like Rocky has been sent up, parodied. It's immortalised. But before this existed, I don't even know if there was any big sports films of that era. Well, I mean, Raging Bull was a similar time. That was a few years after, but. Uh, I think Rocky invented a lot of iconic moments, which got aped or imitated or, you know... Uh, and this is pre-Star Wars, isn't it, as a franchise? year before Star Wars, yeah. So, you know, uh, as, as when you're talking franchises, obviously Star Wars is the, the huge one that everyone talks about. Yeah. But uh, in terms of the legacy of number of films that this... I think they're almost competing now with the creeds thrown in like surely Rocky and Star Wars must be pretty and Harry Potter in terms of like number volume of franchise yeah it's probably the the unsung hero Mm. of that and also Creed surprisingly good film I was impressed by that Um, I've not seen it have you not? no ah so Rocky 6 which was like the hypothetical could Rocky fight against a modern day fighter. Yeah. I mean, it was enjoyable, but it was silly. Creed. So Creed Ron is Rocky 7. Yes. And Creed 2. Rocky 8. Okay. Creed. Crystal. Yeah. Creed, really good. A lot of heart. Um, works within the uh, lineage of the story. I recommend. I, I recommend. I think mean, go and watch. Definitely. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Bit of homework there for Yeah, yeah, when you get a moment, give it a watch. I don't you won't be disappointed. It's a lot of heart in that film. Yeah. Bit of homework for you there as well, uh listener. What's your, have we got are we giving our listeners a name? What the podcasts? Yeah, they're the podcasts at the minute, but that's that's quite general. That's quite generic. Uh what so they'd be like what does Lady Gaga have? Like little monsters. Yeah, little monsters, trope. No tropers? No tropers. 
That's a bit negative. So it is. Maybe, maybe if, you know, we'll call you podcasts for now. I think podcasts, that's a good working, yeah. working title. Sorry, we? Adam Buxton. Uh, uh, yeah. Right, we'll have to, yeah. We'll have to clear that. Clear that with him first, and then we'll have to, might have to change it anyway. Uh, but, yeah, let us know. If you want to be called any particular name, as a homogenous mass... Trope and Glories. The Trope and Glories, there's one, there's a start for ten, let us know. Well, it was the first time I listened to the Trope Stormers podcast, I knew right there and then. I had to listen to it some more. Y'all listening to Trope Stormers. We've got talking franchise, we've got talking Creed, but obviously we're talking about this film in isolation. Mm-hmm. And we've also got to talk about it in terms of the tropes. So you watch this... Couple of nights ago, I did. Back yeah, again. I watched it last night. Um, it's fresh. Like we say, it's quite an interesting film because of its where it's come from. It feels quite a, a real low key for for a lot of the time because it's focused on on Rocky's life and the, the surroundings of in Philadelphia. I mean, it's almost like a, an advert for Philadelphia. Uh, really, sort of a lot of scenage, but other cream cheeses are available. <laughs> uh, but they didn't actually have the right to shoot a lot of this movie. A lot of it was done guerrilla style, in the streets, no permits, done at funny hours so that they wouldn't get in trouble. The scene where he's running down the street and a guy chucks him an orange, totally improvised, that just happened. And when he's doing his little running through the streets bit, if you actually like pay attention to the crowd and the people in the street, they have no idea what's going on. Like, they're not aware that a film, a movie's been, it's not like a set with like a, a dolly and lots of people, it's pretty much just Stallone, probably a guy with a sound boom and a camera running down the street. It's quite a clever style of filmmaking if it's deliberate, because I know uh, like Woody Allen used to do this quite a lot. He used to just tell people at what points to get at in a conversation, and then they have to fill in the gaps. So the conversation would feel very natural. It's not quite as complex as that, but the idea that you just, you know, you throw somebody into a situation, they've got a certain point to get to, and then they react to whatever. That's, that's like the Before Sunset trilogy by uh, Richard Linklater. That's very much a similar unscripted narratives set and shot, very much impromptu. As, as a film, it's got quite a visceral sort of natural feel to it, you know? It just feels like we're experiencing a very real period of life for this this guy it's eponymous it's called rocky the film so he's the central character obviously we've got to start talking about tropes yes pretty soon so talk us through rocky your first trope and basically the well the way this sets off the entire of the film really doesn't it so for my first one i'm going for your, your classic underdog story arc so rocky is cast as the major underdog i don't know what his odds are in this but they're not good Apollo Creed is a world champion, boxer of the world. He's coming up against a guy who's pretty much been painted as a bum. Rocky, a bum? You're a bum rock! <laughs> Not bum, bum rock. That, bum rock, you yeah. You get cream for that, but... <laughs> but it's, you know, uh, up to this point, uh, he's had his locker emptied out, his stuff put on skid row. He barely won his last fight on a points decision against Spider Rico. He's pretty washed up. He's working for a loan shark. He's, he's breaking thumbs for a loan shark. He's not even doing that well. His heart's not in it. He's pretty much just bullying and uh, wearing down a girl working in a pet shop who happens to be his best mate's sister. There's not a lot going on for Rocky. You know, his prospects are pretty bleak. 
Yeah. And then he gets thrown a bone by the heavyweight champion of the world to fight him for the heavyweight title. Who is the... Uh, I'm, I doubt this might be his real name, Apollo Creed. That's quite... I mean, that's, that's his character. It's quite flamboyant. Mm. Matches his uh, per, on-screen persona. So, yeah, I mean, yeah, he, he's a, he plays a great part, right? He's, he's clearly got draws inspiration from... Muhammad Ali. The Ali yeah, uh, definitely. story. You get a lot of great visuals with that, with the US regalia and robes that he has. Yep. The Stars and Stripes top hat. Yep. Um, I think he's dressed as George Washington at one point. Throwing money into the crowd, yep. Yeah, so, you know, you've got this... It kind of takes the flamboyance of Muhammad Ali and then dials it up to... I mean, it's almost like Eubank, Eubank levels of uh, flamboyance. Wow, okay. Yeah. Yeah. But I'm going to take you right back now. This, as a trope, you could sort of take it all the way back to an Aesop's fable. So I'm talking about the tortoise and the hare. You're going classic on us. I'm going classic, man. I'm, I'm educating. I'm preaching. I'm on the pulpit. It's happening. So you could look at this as, you know, it's your underdog story. You have got the cocky hare who I think has a kip under a tree or something. And you've got the plodding tortoise who's like slow and steady wins the race. That's the kind of moral of it all. And that's kind of played out in this film through the main protagonists. Wow, okay. That's, yeah, that is taking it back. I can yeah. see the logic in that, though. Yeah. Uh, other famous examples I've got for you. The Karate Kid. Uh, cool Runnings. Was there ever a greater underdog story than a Jamaican bobsled team? No. Again, grounded in truth as well. Uh, yeah. Which is, which is great. In reality. Kung Fu Panda. Yeah, I'm, I'm, you have to, have to double check with you if that's grounded in truth or not. But <laughs> yeah, fantastic underdog story. Yep, Jerry Maguire. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Dodgeball. No, not not such a classic. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I do like. Yeah, it's 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 a good trope, isn't it? That you know it features in in so many different things and seems to be the basis for uh, in, indeed the idea of you know going taking it back to Aesop. Mm-hmm. It's been the basis for a lot of storytelling and you know moral tales for a long, long time. Uh, so yeah, I mean, I don't know what the moral dodgeball is. Uh, duck, dodge, dip. I can't remember what they all are. There you go. Sage advice there, <laughs> <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. Uh, Lord of Rings. Ah, okay. That's quite an underdog story when you think of the power of Sauron versus some Shire folk and a random band of mercenaries. Yeah, it borders on sort of cliche almost at, at this point how often it's used yeah. but yeah certainly Rocky is your archetypal underdog well let me stop you there because I, I, I think I peak at my next underdog example now I'm, I'm having to cross over here uh, Leicester City Football Club wow for winning the Premier League okay that I think in sport is maybe the most pinnacle underdog achievement it, there's, there's talk of this becoming a film it, it should be Who's play point. Jamie Vardy? Having a party. Oh, I don't know. <laughs> Who's got a really Who looks like they're gonna they've stolen your telly? Yeah, well you know, they could you could or sharpen Asbo. Sharpen knives on their face. <laughs> <laughs> William Defoe? He got he got a mention last week. He did. He's done if he's streamlined enough though. No. So yeah, um here's your underdog story. However, where a lot of underdog stories can end on a very positive note, Rocky is, for me, it's grounded by the fact that he just wants to go the distance. He's not looking to even beat Apollo Creed. He just wants to do what no one else has done and go the distance. That, for him, is a victory. And the way that it's shot at the end and the way the fight pans out, 
you think, oh, he could have it here. Because he does knock him down. Uh, and it gets very, like, they're both basically slugging. Mm. And holding and, you know, holdoring. And uh, it, you don't know which way it's really going to go. And then when the bell goes, it's a points decision. But Rocky don't care. He's achieved what he set out to achieve. Exceeded it. Because he's fought with heart, but lost. But that's kind of immaterial in the sort of narrative of the story. It doesn't matter. The, the, the racks to riches and hero to zero. Yes. Zero to hero, sorry, element of it. Mm. But it's not, it's, not cliche, it's not your cliched. Yeah. He doesn't just become heavyweight title of the world and that's it. Film ends, franchise doesn't go any further. Yeah, so we'll have to take that into account. I mean, what I will say about Aesop, morals, underdogs, rags to riches, hero, zero to hero, all that, down with that. If we talk, let's talk boxing in this film, right? I mean, I, I, know, I know that you are a, a 12-time champion of the octagon, you know. Dr. Octagon. Yeah, black belt and origami. Human Swiss Army knife, they call me. Yeah, I know you, I know, you know your stuff, right? You are a, a registered lethal weapon. I know stuff. I'm not that, you know, I'm too pretty to be a boxer, so... You have a face for radio. Thank you, thank you, I think. But it doesn't seem like the best of boxers. The, the idea is that he's supposed to be plucked out to be... Are we talking Rocky? Rocky, about, yeah, about the... He's a meat and potatoes boxer, though. So, yeah, but, like, his tactic seems to be to yeah, head fall over. Headbutt Apollo Creed's fists. <laughs> that seems to be the main tactic I picked up on. I mean, it's, it's just about taking, taking the blows. But he also, he exacts... Uh, it's like a Homer Frederick Ta- Dredrick Tatum. <laughs> <laughs> that is a strong reference. But no, he, uh, he, he gets... Cri- um, towards the end of a fight, uh, Creed's protecting his ribs. And Rocky's trying to like pummel in his ribs. Okay. So uh, I, think you're, I think you're doing Rock a disservice there. I'm on terms with him where I can call him Rock. And he knocks him down with a sweet left uh, hook. So I think you're doing a man a disservice. I think there's a long period of getting punched in the face and not falling down. But I think he holds his own. Okay. To Mate, an extent. I'll as much as uh, a rank outsider and former bum could do. I'll, I'll, I'll bow to your, your Queensbury knowledge on this <laughs> one. <laughs> you know, I, I compare it to stuff like... Uh, we mentioned Raging Ball earlier and things like that, where the, 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 the boxing is... Uh, super realistic more choreographed uh, I, I get the impression that as the Rocky films go on the extent to which he can just withstand punishment gets more outlandish really as it goes but are, are, are in, you in, kidding in, me? Rocky 3 he basically reinvents himself as Apollo Creed well I mean obviously in the next the next movie he then, he then becomes the champ doesn't he and it's, yeah. it's like so uh they, they, they get quite a departure from this film, but I don't know. I, I put this. I put a message out on uh, our Facebook page about which is the better. Yeah, I saw that Rocky movie. And I think yeah, one or the people spoke one or two, and I think people stuck with uh, Rocky one just because. And it does. It does. It's, it's great. It does have a grounded story, and the ending, as you've described, it, is a, a satisfying one in the sense that it's not. It's the right ending. It's the right ending to have. And of course, there's a, there's a love story element to all this as well, isn't there? There's, there's Rocky's background and his life. Because you say, well, he's not the sharpest tool, like we've talked about before. Hey, he's not the brightest colour in the box. Talia Shire. Yeah, so apparently she wore a lot of her own garments because uh, she wanted to look 
dowdy. I'm not saying that she was a dowdy dressed woman, but apparently she dowdied it up further because she thought, you know, she didn't want to come across being too attractive or uh, or whatever. She wanted to play the part of the very shy store clerk working in a pet shop. I found the whole rocky pursuit and courtship of Adrian somewhat uh, wrong. Uh, his pursuit was relentless. Like, he visited her twice a day in the shop, cracked terrible jokes. Uh, he was basically stalking her. Bought two turtles. Bought well, not two turtles and a fish, I believe. <laughs> um, yeah, he was like relentless. It's almost like there was no other women in Philadelphia, eligible women. Um, so he was basically hitting on his best mate's sister. Okay, and his best mate is... Uh, Pauly, 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 yeah. Pauly, the resident drunk. Yeah, he's a bit of a, he's kind of the jerk-ass type character, isn't he? Yeah, he's, he doesn't come off very well. I mean, at first he protests. So regarding Adrian in Rocky's initial courtship attempts... She's not normal. I'm tired of you being a loser. I don't see the attraction with my sister. Then when it all sort of swings back around, he changes his tune. And uh, he straight up asks Rocky, You ballin' her? You screwing my sister? Rocky's response to this is, We fill gaps together. I don't think that's meant to be a sexual thing, but... Uh, yeah. I mean, he's not a poet, is he? I mean, a lot of, a lot of Rocky's... Uh Speeches like, yo, hey, oh, a lot of that through it. So, yo, you, you can basically get, pick any three sort of sequences together and just go, you can go, Adrian, yo, oh, oh, Adrian. And you basically, you can have like a soundboard. <laughs> yo, Adrian. Polly, Polly. Fight the big fight. There you go. You know, you cr create your own rocky, uh, Soundboard. Soundboard, you yeah. Know, this is the 70s, that technology wouldn't have been around, so you imagine the... No, they would have gone to Well, it's seduction as well in the apartment, when they sort of crumple into a heap on the floor in weird slow-motion passion. Yeah, it's not... It's not the sexiest of courtships, is it? No. You know, the way she's... I kind of feel like it was rel a relentless kind of chipping away. You know, like, her defences were down... I mean, even at the time, she protested many, many times that she needed to go home, call her brother, probably had never been in a man's flat alone. Like, you know, she was she was sending off smoke signals, left, right and centre. Rocky was not interested. He had eyes on the prize. Well, you know, that is the, that is the mindset of the boxer, I guess. Uh, you know, whether that be... I was really worried you were just going to go, that was the 70s, like it was okay. <laughs> It's not okay, but you know, uh, you know when you're, you're, you know, your main mo is to punch people in the face till they fall over. <laughs> you know, nuance ain't going to be your thing, is it? True. Yes. The subtleties of uh, wooing a strumpet, <laughs> somewhat lost upon our dear rock. Yes. Uh, okay. Cool. So, um, trope one. Got talking about the underdog. His background is kind of like a. Not a hopeless character. He's got a heart of gold. He's a bit uh, down and out, isn't he? He's down on his luck. He's a bit of a bum. Just needs needs to be cut a break. Needs a break. Cut the guy some slack. And then he is cut a break by uh, Apollo Creed, who um, 
uh, Carl Weathers' character who um, basically plucks him out of a book of boxers. Purely by his name. Does this book exist? The Book of Boxers. The Book of Boxers. How regularly is it updated? Is it like a Guinness Book of Records? Like you just get it every year and like pour over all of the different boxes. And is it just a list of names? They, a, is it like the yellow pages where you, like boxers take out adverts? I've got it in my mind as like a Panini stickers album. Fan, what were shinies? Yeah. So, you know, Balboa shiny. Nice. What, do, what would you do for the team shot where you had to like multiple stickers? Would it be them and their trainers? Like a, a group pick with the trainers, maybe? Mickey? Yeah, 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 yeah. We'll come on to Mickey very soon. Uh, so, yeah, so um, Apollo Creed plucks him out of obscurity. And then, uh, of course, related to the next trope, we have the, what you dubbed earlier, the Mr. Miyagi. Yes, um, in our previous conversation. Yeah, so we mentioned the, mentioned the Karate Kid. We mentioned uh, so John G, John G. Uh, Abelson, Abelson yep, director. directed the Karate Kid. He did. He directed this and some of the other Rocky films. Yeah. So, you know, this, this, this crossover in a lot of the tropes and a lot of the, the story beats that happen with that, that's an underdog story, isn't it? It is, yeah. I kind of feel like John just kind of... Is the Karate Kid? Was he bullied a lot as a child? (laughs) (laughs) I was going to say, is is the Karate Kid Rocky for kids? Is this what he's done? He's taken Rocky and just made it for a younger audience in a different decade. I think he has. Uh, Yeah, I guess so. You know, he's he's from a similar background, isn't he, Daniel? Daniel Sun. Yeah, Daniel Larusso. Which is now uh, there's a a Cobra Kai series on YouTube. I notice. Really? Yeah. Wasn't it Jaden Smith? In the remake. Yeah, it's terrible. Yeah, I, I'm not going to watch it. There's a scene where Jackie Chan just like full on beats up a park full of children. <laughs> so that's, that's probably worth watching. That's worth watching. But, you, know, you know, if you're a stressed teacher or anything out there, that's always a, a good, good cathartic watch. Um, but the Miss Miyagi presence, mm. and in this you have the much more snarky Mick. Yes. Yeah, as, as Rocky's. Trainer, mentor, mentor. Yep. Kind of like the Yoda of the piece. Yeah, and he, less cuddly. Yeah, and also probably less, hit, like more on him. Less constructive <laughs> than Yoda. He's taken one too many shots to the head. Yeah, there's definitely yeah, there's definitely a punch drunk sort of mode about. Yeah, old Mick. But Burgess Meredith, what what an actor. Uh, well, he got best. Well, he got nominated for best supporting actor for his performance. Oh no, sorry, it was, that was Burt Young. My bad. Um, no, Burgess Meredith, I felt played it really, really well. Very believable. Because it would be, it'd be easy. He's quite a strange-looking and sounding guy. It'd be quite easy to play this. Um, well, he could have like, gone boosy on it, couldn't he? For, yeah, God, you never go full boosy. <laughs> That's for sure. The Mr. Miyagi character, the mentor, he obviously uh, comes out with some fantastic quotes. You've got the um, "You're going to eat lightning and crap thunder." That is classic. Women weaken legs. Yeah, not so great that one. He's there as a. He serves quite well as a, a, a kind of grounding presence to to Rocky's situation. I think you know. He's a manager. Yeah, that's a fantastic impression. It's not. That's probably right. maybe maybe I found my thing doing uh, Mickey impressions. Yeah, I was a little bit like uh, saddened, but I thought this film contained the chicken chasing and catching element in the training. It did not. Well, that's the problem. They all blend together. That's the thing. I got confused. They overlapped. If that is possible. Yeah. So this is a this is a, a, a character archetype 
that's really important in so many different films. I mean, Star Wars, for instance, has several. You have um, not only Yoda, but you have Obi Wan. Uh, Qui Gon G. Qui Gon G. Yeah, he's a bit he's a bit too cool for school for me. He just plays kind of plays a bit too cool the mentor role. But then I guess you, we talked about Lord of the Rings earlier. You have um, Gandalf and bringing the hobbits out of their shells a little bit. So there's, you seem to have this this tends to be a more aged character. I mean, Yoda's about 500 years old or something ridiculous. I don't think Burgess Meredith uh, quite was supposed to be that age. I mean, he looks pretty rough. He's pretty grizzled, I'm not going to lie. Yeah. But he, he's mainly responsible for whipping Rack into shape. He's mentoring him. And, and, and getting him to a, to a place where he can at least... Have a chance of not... Survive yeah. a round or two. He might not die in the ring. Yeah. This... Is star at Lord of the Rings, Game of Thrones, and sharp, immortal actor Sean Bean. And you're listening to Trope Stormers, you bastards. Yeah, and that leads us very nicely into. I'm, I'm rubbing my hands together with glee because I think I know what's coming. A fire of a trope. Oh, I'll be back. Um, we touched on this last time out. Um, I accused Point Break of doing a Diet Coke uh, homage to the montage. This is, a, this is pretty much where it starts in a modern day scenario. We're talking about the montage people. It's for zero to hero, we ain't got long. Let's put on a pounding, possibly air metal soundtrack and let's go for it. And we're going to show incremental increases in ability until this person has gone from being street fighter bum to potentially knocking out champion of the world at boxing. What, what is really great about the montage in this is, that's, that's what we talked about the other week, was in Point Break, was, was quite a token, I feel. There seems yeah. to have been a lot of care gone into the way this has been put together. So, you know, you talked about the, the, the meeting people in the streets of Philadelphia and, and interacting with them. The way it's cut together for like the individual exercises and things like that is just really slick and, and running up the stairs. Yeah, he, firstly he runs up the stairs and he struggles, and then it shows you the sequence. And then at the end, kick well, it finishes with him like jumping around for joy. And we haven't even talked about the Five Eggs movie. I mean, the Five Eggs movie. This this film was a trope maker. Like, yeah. how are you going to kick off without your five raw eggs? Yeah. So any point in any other film where you see eggs being devoured, necked, <laughs> down a pint of egg, <laughs> then Rocky is is the original maker for this this yeah yeah in on film anyway. Could you neck five raw eggs without vomiting? You only get one shot, like Rocky. Do you think you could do it? I don't know if I could eat down one without like retching. I've done it before. Five eggs. Yeah, I mean, I've, I've eaten some pretty grim stuff, to be fair, in my time. You are northern. I do have a bag of crickets. They don't do those up north. Uh, that was, this was on holiday somewhere. But yeah, they, that was weird. So it was like a... It was like... Were they alive? No, they were, they were dead, but they were like... They taste like peanuts, so it was really nice. But then they'd have a leg. A crunchy crunch a leg. Yeah. And, I uh, see that. I ate dog once. A dog? Yeah. But where? 
<laughs> I feel like this would be one of those things, but I just like maybe like breadcrumb as uh, episodes <laughs> go by, so that can be your uh, your introduction. Okay, I'm on the case, listener. Uh, that's for me. <laughs> <laughs> it was yeah, so the, the um, yeah. Well, I guess if you just neck it, it's a bit like I, I just uh, having oysters. I had oysters before. Like I quite like oysters. Just pretend I'll do that and just neck. Five eggs. Anything that you've just got to sort of like throw back. Like, I've not had oysters. I don't think I'd like them. Where's the fun in that? Like, you're not like. It's not spending any time in your mouth, on your palate. Like, why would you want to eat something which you're literally just like throwing to the back of your mouth and trying to like swallow it down as quick as possible? Well, what you're forgetting here is we're in the middle of a montage. We're not here to have fun. We're here to get things done. Showtime is passing whilst doing it. And that's why you're the lighthouse, my man. See? Right? So, you know, like we said, this, you know, Rocky, what matters here is Rocky, he is prepared to neck five eggs. He really is. Go. What I really like about that scene is that we actually just have to sit there and watch him crack five eggs. <laughs> <laughs> it's very repetitive, but it almost like builds this kind of like, is he? Okay, yeah, he's going to drink that. Great. But the montage, um, to place it in context, uh, Citizen Kane, a uh, film I watched today actually, has a, a bit of a montage go on in that, 1941, so Rocky might not have put it on the map originally, just saying. Uh, some other good examples, we've mentioned The Karate Kid already, Yeah. that almost has I think a shot for shot remake of Rocky as a training montage. Uh, Whiplash, uh, have you seen that? The Rocky film. with drums, yeah. Rocky with drums, yep, yeah, good. Um, Team America, Rocky with puppets. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Uh, Pretty Woman, Rocky's a woman. Rocky with prostitutes. Rocky <laughs> <laughs> and Scarface, Rocky with a huge mountain of Chang. That in itself contains, uh, well, it's called the Push It to the Limit sequence. Go YouTube this, watch it. I couldn't believe... I've seen Scarface and I think I had deleted this scene from my memory. It is phenomenal. That is a, that's, it's a great film, but that is a weird scene. Because nearly everything plays out in real time as well. Yeah. Uh, unlike the, the the real tight Rocky montage, you know. So I think that's... Rocky, Rocky really kind of nails it and that's why it got pastiched in, in Team America and, and things like that. Yeah, well, it was because parodied of, so much. Yeah. But yeah, go check out the Scarface one. It's It's got a tiger, yeah. it's got oh my God, a wedding. No. So search for Scarface, push it to the limit, sequence. Well, yeah, it ends with a tiger. I mean, it's obscene. I can't believe Brian De Palma put this into a film. And a hairdo, which can only be described as a cross between... I stuck my finger in an electrical socket. Brian May, electrical socket, and Bob Ross. That's not a pretty picture that you've just painted. So, yeah, just... just and some suits that look like they were the inspiration for Liverpool's 1996 FA Cup final. <laughs> so, yeah, you're fully prepped for that now. So, that's... Uh... <laughs> you're welcome, but you have been warned. <laughs> cool, so that's trope two. Where are we at? Trope three. Over to you, my man. The next one is the idea, and you covered it a little bit already, is the idea of the moral. We've mentioned, we've mentioned Aesop already, and we've mentioned the, the, the ending that we get to. Um, obviously, we get the uh, fight where he goes the distance, which is kind of the, the, the principal theme of the movie, is the idea that, can this guy do this? This guy who is... 
basically a nobody, you know, breaks people's thumbs for a, a living. But for a few bob on the side. But obviously he doesn't want to do that because he's got a heart of gold. The idea of everyone being the real winner in the end, you know? Uh, Apollo Creed, he's been humbled um, as, a, as, a, as a fighter, you know, he's quite cocksure. I think, if anything, he has lost the most in this film. He has fallen from grace somewhat. Yeah. Well, he, gets, he gets put on his ass, doesn't he? He gets put on his ass, gets made to fight 15 rounds. He's never done that before. Adrian, as a character as well, has come out of a shell a little bit, albeit for a slightly bizarre... She's blossomed. ...courtship. But, you know, at the end, she's there at Rocky's side. Yeah. And you get that classic... Yo, Adrian! Yo, Adrian! Um, can, I, can I interject there? I've uh, got a little trivia for you, side nugget. That's not the original ending. That was a new ending that they drafted in. The original ending didn't test well with audiences. So the original ending was Rocky and Adrian walking up the tunnel, which was then used as the photo image and silhouette for the posters to advertise the film. Didn't test well, so they changed it to her running in the ring and them embracing. Carry on. Yeah, so, I mean, yeah, he's there with his face looking like... Pummeled to shit. A punch breakfast. Yeah, uh, I mean... It's a dog's dinner on a face. Yeah. Punch lasagna. Let's go with that. Punch lasagna, I'll take it. Um, everybody has... It's kind of been a culmination of everybody being the winner in that scenario, even though, you know, it's been subverted, the idea that this guy was supposed to have just been absolutely pasted. Uh, and even though he hasn't actually won, he's gone the distance... He's put in the yards, he's done his montage, he's necked his five eggs. <laughs> as, as we said earlier, it's kind of the right ending. Yeah, I know you said it didn't test well with the actual, the, the actual scene itself in the way that goes, but in terms of the, the, the character... The story arc. Where he, gets, where he comes from and where he gets to, it, it's, it is just a, a, a great, great story, Yeah, isn't it? We couldn't have him winning. That would have been like too a bit uh, too much. You couldn't have him getting like destroyed. That would have been disheartening. It kind of like balanced. He didn't win, but he achieved all of his goals, went the distance, and was a hero. Was like the pride of Philadelphia. So I suppose we 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 we've kind of come into a conclusion in the sense we've got our, we've got our four tropes. Tropes are down. So, you know, we've got our underdog, rags to riches, mm -hmm. zero to hero story. Yep. We've got uh, the mentor, Mr. Miyagi. Yep. Uh, type. Yep, we've got uh, even Rocky needs a montage. Yep, the montage. And we've got the real winner ending uh, in the sense that everybody learns something, everybody gets to the point that they need to be at, especially Rocky, especially Adrian, who has blossomed in her in her relationship how are we going to score this I don't know because that last the uh, way you described it there sounded like one of the endings of Wayne's World the one with a fishy ending where it's like didn't we all end up better people <laughs> fishy <laughs> um, that's what that was playing through my mind well so. I, su I suppose what 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 is hard when you see a film like this is that because you've seen it parodied and pastiched and taken apart and deconstructed so many times. Well, it's, it's just become part of the uh, uh, cultural landscape, hasn't it? It's hard to look at this sometimes and not 
think that seems a bit cliched or that seems a bit twee or trite. I guess we've got to put our 1976 goggles on, haven't we? We've got, we've got to see this in isolation and be objective. You've got to go full paleontologist on this. Wow. I'm just saying. Okay. You know, I'm, I'm even going to like potentially like tether my uh, my boat on the trope of no hope and take my tin hat off and you know stow Wilson and get ready for some <laughs> thoughts. You know, <laughs> give uh, shouting at the sky uh, the afternoon off. So I, I I I mean I think this this movie it's it's almost a clean sweep really. I was kind of feeling sort of like the same way. Uh, it, you break the tropes down, like it made the montage. Like it is your go-to montage film. Like every film that montages is paying homage to Rocky. So for me, that is that's bent one. In, I mean, in fact, I'm going to stray away from what we all normally do of football terminology, and I'm going to try and use boxing terminology. So, for me, that's like an uppercut that's connected beautifully and taken the guy off his feet. He's getting up before the count of ten, but that's a wallop. On the tropes. Yeah, he's a trope uppercut wallop. Like, for a count of eight, maybe. But the guy gets back up. Or girl, you know. Okay. But we've got to be be objective. We've got to think about this. I mean, the... We said about the... I mean, I suppose the other thing is to think about the... The zero to hero thing is the important bit, isn't it? Of of this, the story. underdog story. Yeah. How convincing do you think that is as a as as an arc? You know, does it? The sheer ridiculousness of pulling a guy's name out of a giant phone book purely because of his name. It does get glossed over a little bit in the film. It's just a fancy. There's no science to it. Even to the point where Apollo Creed's trainers. Like one guy's like watching him punch meat. Can't believe we haven't talked about that on the telly, and he's saying, oh, "I don't want you to fight no southpaw," um, or whatever it is he says. And Creed's just like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah, whatever." You know, I'll beat him in three rounds or something. Like that is glossed over quite a lot. But then I don't know. Is it, is it just playing to that kind of everybody likes to root for an underdog? Everyone loves you know to see flamboyant, cocky overly assured arrogant people get taken down a peg do you think this is the sort of film that would have boxing purists up in arms oh massively I'm sure if uh, a purist could take this apart I have no basis for that but you know I I maintain my scepticism about uh, Rocky's approach to training fighting you know Um, he seems to he's a slugger he's a big hitter the guy's bone density must be Look, at one you know, point Mickey has rocks. to tie his legs together <laughs> just to sort his balance out. I mean, you know, I think you're nitpicking here. Okay. I mean, it is, it is a great, it's a great, it's a great story, and uh, f- for me, and a story based and rooted in real life, which always gives it extra kudos. Yeah, credence. Uh, like it. Yeah, Apollo credence. Very good. So. Is this our first? Uh, there's been a lot for firsts. We've got our first. We've had our first utopian and our first dystropian. We've got a, a utopian clean sweep. Well, I mean, what other tropes have we got to discuss? We've the montage was a clear winner. 
the underdog story was good. Another interesting thing you you spoke to me about earlier was about uh, franchise foreshadowing because we said this became huge. I don't think they really saw. I think this was made on such a budget in such a way. They never thought franchise. They never thought sequel. This was probably just going to be a one-off, a feather in uh, Stallone's cap to further his career potentially. Because he only made twenty-three thousand dollars off this, which is insane. Because it's grossed almost quarter of a billion dollars since being made. Wow, wow! It, it, it's got it's such a story surrounding this film. Mm. It's uh, it really is. So there you have it. I mean, it's not even a, it's a points decision. It's a clean sweep. It's a, it's a TKO. Crumbs. Uh, to use the perfect analogy. Yeah, to bring it back round to Muhammad Ali's defeat of uh, Chuck Webner, which was a TKO with 19 seconds left in the fifth, 14th round. 15th round, sorry. It's almost uh, too beautiful to be true. Where do we go from here? Where do we go from here? Well, that's the thing, isn't it? It might not be up for us to decide. Dear listener, do you have any ideas for us? Yeah, um, if you think there's anything important that we've uh, missed out, or something you, you think about any of the Rocky films that you want to comment on, yeah, did they change for the, the better? For the worse. For the worse. Um, Do you have a favourite? Is it not the first one? Yeah, it's, does, does, does two, three, four, five Creed. improve? Uh, Creed's one and two improve on the um, perfect formula that we've just talked about? Do let us know. Get in touch with us at tropestormers at gmail.com or mm. at tropestormers on Twitter. On the Instagram. On the Instagram as well. Yeah, we'd, tropestormers. we'd love to hear from you. We'll have a think about what we want to do next, but if you have any suggestions, please let us know. We're still wor- working towards well, we're still Back working, to the Future. Still working up to Back to the Future, and the long term goal, I think, is still the room. Hey, Denny. <laughs> <laughs> I did not. <laughs> I think that's definitely our 50th podcast special there. I'd like to set Back to the Future maybe as 25, like halfway to the room, like if we want to sort of set goals for ourselves. Yeah. Maybe we should have some, one for five, like a, a mini bonus. Maybe one for ten. I don't know. Your thoughts. Uh, let us know what you think we should do and where we should go next. We'd love to hear from you. Okay, and uh, look out for our uh, next mini pod talking about the uh, what was it a trope nugget or a trope nugget trope bolt trope bolt suggestions for that as well yeah if you've got a particular trope that you want us to talk about in any any great depth we're here for you this is what we do yeah we are here to storm down tropes down tropes it's a full time job this (sighs) I wish it was well that just leaves me to say as we always say on trope stormers I ate dog once bye for now (laughs) you bastards (laughs) 